In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. I don't know about you, but after hearing that first reading from 1 Samuel, and Samuel going back again and again to Eli, here I am, and then with the responsorial psalm that we heard and, and sang, here I am, Lord, I come to do your will, I'm willing to bet all the money in my pocket that I know what song is going through your head right now. Our favorite. Now, some of you are unfamiliar. Some of you have come from foreign countries and didn't, don't have the privilege of, of growing up in this great wealthy country. So let me sing a few bars. <laughs> but don't sing along. You see, the, 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 the song begins with this uh, single voice, and it's the voice of God. I, the Lord of sea and sky, I have heard my people cry. All who dwell in dark and sin, my hand will save. I who made the stars of night, I will make their darkness bright. And then God asks questions. Who will bear my light to them? Whom shall I send? And then you come in in the refrain. Here I am, Lord. And then, and then it just goes on. It's just, it's glorious, right? Now, especially when you, when, you, when you hear the refrain continue, I have heard you calling in the night. I will go if you lead me. I will hold your people in my heart. We know, because the, the composer has told us as well, that 1 Samuel 3 is an inspiration for this sacred music. As well as Isaiah 6. We'll, we'll um, capture Isaiah 6 in a little bit. But first consider how 1 Samuel 3 has um, inspired such a work. Notice that Samuel's response, here I am, was what he was saying when he was talking to the wrong person with the wrong idea of what was going on. Here I am, Lord, wasn't the response that he was making to God. He thought Eli was talking to him. What did Eli tell him when he finally realized what is happening? When you hear the Lord speaking, say, speak, for your servant is listening. Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. That should be the refrain. That's what he was supposed to say and what he did say when he knew that it was God speaking to him. And then, it, then, then the, the story goes on, or rather it cuts off. If, you're, if your vision is perfect, you can see in your missalette, that this passage of 1 Samuel from the third chapter is just verses 3 to 10 and then comma, verse 19. I'd like to read verses 11 to 18 to you. The Lord came, revealed his presence, calling out as before, Samuel, Samuel. Samuel answered, speak, for your servant is listening. 
verse 11. Then the Lord said to Samuel, Behold, I am about to do a thing in Israel, at which the two ears of everyone that hears it will tingle. On that day I will fulfill against Eli all that I have spoken concerning this house from beginning to end. And I tell you that I am about to punish his house forever for the iniquity which he knew because his sons were blaspheming God and he did not restrain them. Therefore I swear to the house of Eli that the iniquity of Eli's house shall not be expiated by sacrifice or offering forever. I miss the verses that are about that. What is God saying? God isn't saying, who's going to do my work? Who am I going to send? Who's going to be able to accomplish my will for me? No, God is saying, this is what I am going to do. I need a witness. You are going to be my witness. You are going to testify that this is what's happening and this is why it's happening. I, the Lord, your God, am going to do it. Granted, there are times when we don't do God's will. All of us don't always do God's will all the time, which means we inflict on each other, we inflict onto human history things that ought not to have happened. It doesn't mean that God's will is thwarted. God still accomplishes his will. Now, remarkably, what's really beautiful, there's a really beautiful response uh, from a from an imperfect servant of God that's about to come here uh, as I continue. This is verse 16. Samuel lay until morning. Then he opened the doors of the house of the Lord, and Samuel was afraid to tell the vision to Eli. But Eli called Samuel and said, Samuel, my son. And he said, here I am. I don't at this last time that Samuel says, here I am, I don't think he was terribly confident or eager. I think he was rather thinking, I wish I weren't here. I am here, but I really wish I weren't. And Eli said, what was it that he told you? Do not hide it from me. May God do so to you and more also if you hide anything from me of all that he told you. So Samuel told him everything and hid nothing from him. And he said, it is the Lord. Let him do what seems good to him. It's not quite equivalent to Our Lady at the Annunciation. I am the handmaid of the Lord. Let it be done to me according to your word. But it's the same, it's the same fiat of God's will is going to be done. And it is good. And Eli is saying that about his house being punished, just as Samuel has conveyed the message. Samuel is not the agent of this punishment. He's the messenger. He's the witness. He's telling Eli, this is what's going to happen, and it will come from the hand of God. How amazing is Eli's response? When we consider all the good that we hope for, all the good that we, that we beg the Lord to receive, we also know that we, we receive um, correction. 
We receive punishment at times. How do we receive it? Consider Isaiah 6, another inspiration for the tune. Isaiah 6 is part of our liturgy every, every day. The prophet Isaiah, he, he catches a glimpse of the glory of God, just the bottom of God's throne. He sees the angels in glory surrounding God, praising him and worshiping him. And Isaiah's face is to the ground in humility, knowing that he is a sinful man. He does not deserve to be in the presence of God like this. God takes a hot burning coal and puts it on Isaiah's lips to purify him, to burn him clean. And then the voice of God is heard, whom shall I send? Who will go for us? And Isaiah says, here am I, send me. And the message that he will give is a very similar prophetic message of the punishment that is going to come to correct God's wayward people. Even that prayer of, of the lips being burned pure by the, by the burning coal, that's the prayer that the priest mentions and brings to mind when he stops and prays at the altar before coming over here to read the gospel. And what's the, what does Isaiah witness the angels singing as all of this is going on? They're praising God, covering their eyes, covering their feet, hovering with their seraphic wings, singing, holy, 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 Lord God of hosts. That is their song. That is the song of being witness to the glory and the majesty of God. It's their song. They let us sing it. Consider what, what these words introduce for us. We hear these angelic notes, holy, holy, holy. Then, then we continue to sing a song that is not of our own. And then we're in relative silence and we hear the words of the Eucharistic prayer. Prayer of the priest addressing God, and very specifically the prayer of Christ, our Savior, to God his Father. And in this dialogue between God the Son and God the Father, what is happening? Christ is taking upon himself all the punishment that we deserve for all of our sins. Eli says, it is the will of God. It is good that he does what he wants when he knows that destruction is about to come upon his house and his children and his descendants. Christ comes into our human family, takes upon the destruction that we deserve for all of our sins, so that he can rise from the dead and make us members of his family, of his household. And we can live forever with God, his Father, 
now our adopted Father. When the Eucharistic prayer is over, what do we do? We all stand up and we take our Lord's words on our lips in the Our Father. His prayer is now our prayer. And in fact, that prayer is what we make our song. God's will be done. As we catch glimpses of this mystery, as the epiphanies happen and the veil is pulled back and we catch a glimpse, we have some interior experience of the, of the reality of what God has always been doing. And then the veil goes back. We need, we need to savor those moments. A moment in prayer, a moment in mass, a moment in study, a moment of, of reflection. And realize that that is just the first taste of the glory of heaven, which God permits us to experience here on earth. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit.